now you're going to bring it up and, and just put salt on the wound? Will you stop yelling at me? No! Live in the entertainment capital of the world. No, no, you're making me nervous, but seriously. It's the T.C. Martin Show. No, listen. Uh, you're making me nervous. Diagnosis. Oh, and a foul. Prognosis. Well, that's good. Osmosis. And they'll reset. Nowitzki again for the lead. Bang. It's the doctor, T.C. Martin. Wednesday, middle of the work week, hump day. Glad to have you here. There we go. Halfway towards the weekend, halfway towards the NFL. Raiders and Bengals. That game coming up on Sunday at Elysian Stadium. Raiders need a win. Bengals need a win. Two teams that are kind of mere images of each other. We break that game down starting today, all throughout the rest of the week. Take a week ahead. A look ahead at week, what, number 11? Week 11 in the NFL? Is that where we're at? Steve Berline's going to join us. The former quarterback. Talk the NFL. Mr. CBS. Also, Trevor Maddich, Mr. ESPN. We talked with him today on the college football side. College football playoff rankings. They get revealed again last night like they do each and every Tuesday evening. So we'll get Trevor Maddich's thoughts on that. Bob Arum scheduled to join us a little bit later on. As we speak right now, the press conference underway for Terrence Crawford and Showtime Sean Porter happening at the Mandalay Bay. Unfortunately, can't be there for that because obviously we're doing a radio show here. And uh, so if that concludes by the time we are off the air, Bob Arum will join us a little bit later on uh, next hour. And we continue our preview of Terrence Crawford and Showtime Sean Porter. Looking forward to that Saturday night at the Mandalay Bay, the Michelob Ultra Arena. And uh, the fight is sold out, so you're going to have to watch it on ESPN Plus or the ESPN pay-per-view. And again, should be a fantastic fight. Should be fight of the year with our good friend Showtime Sean Porter and of course Terrence Crawford, arguably the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world. You can make that argument whether it's him or Canelo Alvarez. But uh, Terrence Crawford back in the ring and finally against a top-flight opponent. So, of course... Rooting for our good friend Showtime, Sean Porter, but uh, do love the way Terrence Crawford fights. So this will be good. And, of course, we'll have that coverage for you a Saturday night as well, too. I'll have uh, some Twitter updates for you round by round like we normally do uh, on fight night. All right. So, yes, a lot of football to cover as well. We also uh, have an update in the Henry Ruggs situation as well, too. And might as well just hit that real quick here. And again, you know, when we get news regarding uh, that sad story, uh, you know, this thing is going to get played out in the courts right now. Uh, Today, his lawyers were in court for a brief hearing, and the judge told his attorneys to get their own subpoena for the fire department records. Uh, The judge said that she did not agree uh, with the effort and court order from her was not needed for them to um, get their own get their subpoena. The, the lawyers have said in court filings that a witness told them that firefighters were slow to extinguish flames in the vehicle, which uh, Tina Tintor died back on November the 2nd. Uh, they have not identified uh, the witness. Uh, so, yeah, they petitioned the judge today, said, hey, we, uh, we need a subpoena. Can you get a subpoena? So, you know, we can get the fire department's records about you know how when did they you know respond to this uh, horrific accident that happened back on November the 2nd where Henry Ruggs was going 156 miles per hour down Rainbow Boulevard and caused the fiery crash causing the death of Tina Tintor and her dog Max so the judge basically said do your own work don't ask me to get a subpoena you do it which i thought was kind of unique <laughs> For the judge uh, to do that. Uh, as it stands now, Ruggs is due back in court on December the 16th for a preliminary hearing on two felony charges of the DUI causing death. And that can get him a minimum of two years in prison 
and up to 40 if convicted, plus uh, two other felony counts, uh, reckless driving and misdemeanor weapons charge for having a loaded handgun in the car as well. So his attorneys are going to play this out in the public, like we've talked about before, but uh, not getting a lot of cooperation from the judge today saying, I'm not going to do your work for you. You want to go get a subpoena? You guys go get it on on your own and then uh, see what you come up with. So, uh, again, we'll continue to monitor that situation as Henry Ruggs is is out on bail and uh, going through uh, four drug and alcohol tests uh, per day confined uh, to his own home. So, um, yeah, and and I think we're also hearing that he missed one of his – Four times a day, you know, test. So we'll have to continue to monitor that as well, too. But yes, very, very sad situation that uh, we continue to look at. All right. So, like I said, from the sports side, a lot of stuff. Uh, Raiders, we'll take a look at them as they get ready for the Bengals. Uh, game virtually a pick 'em. We'll dive into that. Like I said, it was Steve Berline, Trevor Match with some college football, but let's begin today's show with the big seven-footer as we talk some NBA and saw a very impressive performance again by the Golden State Warriors last night as they drill the Brooklyn Nets 117-99. to And I know my man Big Bill Cartwright, the five-time NBA champion, was watching that very, very closely. Seven-footer, what's going on, man? Yeah, I, was, I, I, I watched the game like, like most fans. I'm just curious that uh, besides Golden State, because which is a team that you love, you love Steph Curry, as we all do, is there another team you like? Maybe even in the ballpark. As, as, as much as that team and that guy. Sadly to say, probably not. And again, my, I love basketball, as you know, and I do love the NBA, but I have really kind of waned on the whole fandemonium, you know, part of it. And again, I do take my uh, my job pretty seriously, you know, being in the media, where you know, being very impartial. But honestly, Bill, for me, I, the nonsense has just worn on me over the years. You know, call it. Uh, you know, the old man syndrome, I don't know what it is. But, again, I just – there are, there are too many guys that I just don't care for watching. I don't care for their antics. It, it's kind of wearing thin. And then, again, you know, the constant changing of teams, uh, the way everything is, the shenanigans that go, you know, off the court. And, again, it's early on in the season – um, you know, as we get closer to the playoffs and the postseason, the finals, uh, of course, you know, we've got to watch it uh, much more closely. But, you know, it's not that I have this love affection with the Warriors. I mean, again, I've never, you know, you know my team. My team growing up w- was always the Bullets. I mean, I loved the Bullets, you know, and then I continued rooting for that team, you know, for, for many, many years. And then they lost me when they said, well, we can't be the Bullets anymore. We've got to be the Wizards. And that was kind of a downward spiral. But what I love about the Warriors is the way they play, the way they constructed that team. And again, yeah, it goes back to Steph Curry, you know, a, a guy that no one gave much of a shot coming out of Davidson, the tiny school there in North Carolina in Davidson. And the way that the Warriors put that team together, and I can appreciate history because I remember those Warrior teams in 75 that beat the Bullets and those other teams that they had that were very exciting with Eric Sleepy Floyd and guys like that that you played against. So I always always you know enjoyed the Warriors, but it's not like they're my team. But again, I enjoy watching Curry. I enjoy watching Clay Thompson, even Draymond Green. And for me this season, I am very impressed and actually surprised that the Warriors are playing this well with a record of 12-2 and two because basically it's pretty much the same team that they had last year that struggled. So I'm going to give the, the, the Warriors kudos because they're basically overperforming and uh, we don't have many egos on that team. I love that they brought back Andre Iguodala. But for me, yeah, Steph Curry is exciting to watch and he is the best player in the NBA and uh, I enjoy watching him. So how's that? And, well, in, in, in your opinion, 
But my thing is that, look, uh, the Warriors are playing great. They got to a great start, uh, as is Phoenix. As is a team we should be talking about. I like the Bucks. Is, uh, I like the Bucks. So let's say that. No, not, no, because the Bucks are playing great. Who's playing great? Washington. That's yeah. going to shock you right now. It what's is. going on over there? It is. It is. It is. But you're asking me who I like to watch. I do like to watch the Bucks too. I know they're not performing well. They're basically a 500 team right now. But I do yeah. like watching the Bucks. Yes. I'm just. I'm just right now because I. I as you know, I like blocks. I like blocks of games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but. To start the season, I like blocks at 20, so right. we're almost there. They've got to evaluate, but right now, the team that's got to shock us all is 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 Washington. And the job that they're doing over there, it's, uh, uh, I mean, everybody knows what's going to happen in Brooklyn. Uh, people now have a sense of knowing that, you know, what uh, the, the, the Knicks are going to kind of be around, and uh, Philly's going to be around, and Denver's going to be around. And uh, nobody knows what the Clippers and Lakers are going to do. So let's just not even try to analyze that because that's confusing old guys like us because <laughs> they won't they won't pass the ball and play together. So, well, hey, but we kind of know who's going to be around. My thing is that who is playing well that we're like shocked. And to me, that's why we're shocked at what's happening over there. So that to me, that's exciting. Well, you know, well, let's let's throw the Warriors in there. We're, we're that is surprising. Washington is surprising because they're ten and three, and we'll throw in your former team, the Bulls. That is surprising that this team is ten and four. They're playing some some good ball. But I want to go back to what you said. You're talking about the Lakers and the Clippers. I mean, before the season started, I mean, you fully expected the Lakers to do their thing. They were going to be the favorites. You're saying, you know, you got LeBron James back again. You got this all-star cast. And so I think that is shocking going the other way that this team is a 500 team, you know, right now. I mean, they're eight and seven, but they got injuries galore. But how can you say, well, you don't know what you're going to get there? I mean, you've always known what you're going to get with the Lakers. I mean, you've been a big LeBron guy yourself for a long time. And you thought the Lakers were going to win the title the last couple seasons. So this has no, to be shocking said, for you. No, it's not shocking. I said that you know what you're going to get. And to me, what you get there is similar to, to a lot of other teams like the Clippers. These guys play when it's, when it's time. And, and once they get themselves together, then they'll, then they'll make a run, which is not, as you know, it's not my cup of tea. So... Um, I'm just saying that I'm not saying that um, I'm loving on the Lakers, which I'm not, and I'm not a Laker hater, uh, which you are. I'm more of a basketball <laughs> fan, appreciating. I'm not a Laker hater. Don't are... don't put words in my mouth. Oh, okay, that's okay. not true. Wait a second. Wait a second. No. I won't say that, but I will say you don't like LeBron. There you I'll go. That's right. You can say there that. Absolutely, I don't. There it is. Right. There it is. There it is. So I don't care what team he's there. playing for. Yeah. Where, 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 where for me, uh, I just appreciate the guys when they're playing the right way and when they're doing the right things because as a basketball fan, what do I want to see? I want to see something special. I want to see great effort. I want to see a great defensive play. So that's what I'm looking for to get. I want to see simple basketball. That makes sense. And dribbling around the ball around a thousand times doesn't make sense. So I'm just saying at this point in the season, I'm looking for somebody that's going to say, hmm, wow, this is kind of interesting. What the world is going on over there? That this team's winning games. Is it their schedule? Is it is a play? Is it their coach? What's going on? So that's why I mentioned Washington. That's why I'm still curious about – Phoenix and what they're going to do this year, even though they have some off-court stuff. So that's what I'm looking for right now. And then now, after this 20-game blocks, now we can kind of evaluate a little bit who's healthy, who's playing well, who's surprising us, who's stepping up, who's not, who's stepping down. Uh, then we can get into all that. So. Well, I know uh, I know I'm why you like Washington. Back. I mean, you got a couple, you got a couple ex uh, Lakers over there. You got Kyle Kuzma and and then Caldwell Pope. 
I mean, there you go. I, just, you know, I, I don't know what, how Washington's doing it, really. I don't know. It's smoke and mirrors. But you bring up a great point about your blocks of 20. I mean, they played 13 games. Is it schedule? Is it, you know, is it a division, conference? Uh, you know, how are they getting it done? But when you look at their starting five, you, you wonder, like, I, I don't know. I mean, can this continue? I don't know. But there is probably more parity right now in the NBA than, than we've seen in a long, long time. And you're getting a lot of the lesser known guys that are, are stepping up. And, uh, and again, but the, you know, on the bottom side of this, that's where the concern is like, okay, are, are the Lakers, are the Clippers, are these teams going to turn it around? I mean, look where the Portland trailblazers are right now with arguably one of the best players in the league and Damian Lillard. I mean, they're not getting it done. I mean, they're, they're, they're down there with the Kings in the thunder. So, in yeah, I don't know. In, in what point in time, I know you're not one for, for firings and that sort of thing, but what point in time do the Kings say goodbye to your boy Luke Walton? I mean, come on. This experiment should have stopped a long time ago. Yeah, well, I'm going to let you speculate on that. But, <laughs> but, but, but the fact of the matter is, is that they're, they're just not finishing games. I mean, they're, they're playing three and a half quarters. Uh, uh, they got some guys over there. I mean, I like I like Buddy Hill. I wish he would. I was I'd be hopeful he would be more of a creator than just just a shot maker because he is a terrific shot maker. Right. So, uh, but we we like that kind of basketball anyway. So I don't uh, I don't really have their answer. Um, but. Uh, you know they're 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 kind of stuck in what they're doing. Portland's the same way. Portland's been guard dominated. Uh, they have not won, uh, even when they were even um, before the coaching change. Uh, and I don't expect them to win now. Uh, so um, if you, if you're unwilling to change your formula and change who you are, uh, this is what confuses me, and I think it confuses you about basketball right now, to the fact that. He, People are still, everybody's doing the same thing with the same personnel. So it's like playing Golden State basketball, which is what everybody's doing. Playing Golden State Warrior basketball, and they're trying to out-warrior the Warriors. Right. Which which just confuses the tar out of me. And create your so, own identity. I mean, build your roster how you want to build your roster. And if you've got some powerful bigs, then then you play that way. And if you are a guard-oriented team and that is your system and you've got some sharpshooters, you've got some guys that can take care of the ball and distribute, then you play that way. I agree with you. It's always but, been all these leagues. You use the term, it's a copycat league. Right now? Yeah. But isn't that a problem right now? That... People are playing five. No, why does it? You know, wait, look, we're not going to answer this question. Why nobody plays off the post and the elbow? Because it's nonsense. And look, I'm not. I'm not trying to understand nonsense. Nonsense is nonsense. So, uh, so you're saying that if the, if you got a big guy, why don't you throw it to him down there? I don't know. I'm clueless. <laughs> right. So. Um, <laughs> Everybody's playing the same way. We're five and out. We're gonna we're gonna dribble until there's no air in the ball. We're gonna dribble hand off. We're gonna go screen roll, and we're gonna cast up a bunch of threes. So, um, so that's my point. So, what is enjoyable about that? And that's that's the part that again, like I said earlier, kind of turns me off and turns a lot of people off because this is the type of basketball, pretty much what we're getting night in and night out, no matter which game we turn on or we go to. Exactly. It's no, exactly. It's no it's, good. It's it's, really, so there are very few teams I want to watch play. I want to watch the Warriors play because they have their style and they do it better than anybody else. It is their style. The so, yes, I enjoy watching that, but I don't want to see someone else try to be the Warriors, like Brooklyn. Which is, which is kind of interesting. The Warriors do play off the post, but they run their splits and they run cutters and they and they get uh, they get scores at the basket with their uh, with their post action their post action is not uh, for scoring for the post guy is is to be a passer down there which is absolutely correct as a big you are a passer first so it's 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 really interesting what they're doing and i and as you know i have an appreciation for great ball movement team and player movement easy baskets smart plays Especially when you're in a penalty, um, the Warriors do have special shooters that are 
uh, that should be shooting. Um, some of the guys, you know, Trayvon Green should be shooting for his period. Right. He should be just being of a uh, so, but he doesn't shoot a lot of them. But it's just interesting that um, everybody now, just like in baseball, it'd be a great conversation for Dusty. Why everybody is a home run hitter now? It's, it's like it's just this really confusing time in sports right now for us. Uh, that um, that the, the sport has changed, and maybe it's always been that way. Um, and I, I, I suspect it has. Um, but it's uh, it's just getting worse to where that world of sports, that world of, of our sport, uh, is is disappearing. The athletes are terrific. The athletes we've never had better athletes in a sport. But uh, but the style of basketball, the style of baseball, the style of football, wow. Yeah. So just to add on to that, I mean, we talk about the gathering of superstars on a team and the Brooklyn Nets is that you know they sure you know Kyrie Irving okay he's he's nowhere to be found but you got James Harden you got Kevin Durant and and, and, and you've got Durant has an off game against the Warriors last night uh, I, I love that and then Harden of course being Harden and they're all just throwing their hands up in the air and I love what Steve Nash had to say last night after the game he goes well he goes we're just not at the Warriors level how do you think that makes Kevin Durant and James Harden feel when their head coach all right, who's you know basically a rookie head coach, and he's saying like, "Hey, we've got these superstar players, but we're not at the level of the Golden State Warriors, the Miami Heat, and even the Chicago Bulls and the Milwaukee Bucks because they're winless against those teams so far this year. It's crazy, and the reason being because there is no identity because these guys are playing. The Nets are playing like it's an All Star game." Because there is no continuity. There is no offense. It is just shucking and jiving uh, shots up all over the place, not utilizing anyone in the post, you know, you know, not coming off uh, staggered screens and all that stuff and getting your be- best quality shot. It's like we're watching an all-star game with these guys, and that's ugly to watch, and it's not working for them right now. I mean, this team is 18th in offensive efficiency with the type of talent they have. That is mind-boggling. Well, should you be, as a player, upset? But what's what's your GM and owner doing over there? A statement like that. Well, they're, well, they're spending uh, unnecessarily uh, crazy money on on guys that are that they believe have individual talents that really have not won anything, uh, you know, as a team except maybe for Durant. But again, and you're overpaying these guys, and you're looking at their stat books, and you're you're thinking, well, th- yeah, these guys are, are incredible off the dribble. They're great one-on-one players, and uh, we get these, these three scorers that can average 25, 26 a night. Yeah, that's going to win us games. Nonsense. Nonsense. It, it never works that way, and you know that. Maybe maybe this is uh, the, the end of these super teams. Now. I hope so. Maybe now. To maybe, I mean, it, it's a clear negation. Of uh, you know, in Washington and Phoenix, and and others are a great example of that. To where maybe we'll go back to traditional role playing, so you can see you can have some defenders on the floor, so you, so you can have uh, some big jacks you throw the ball to, so 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 you can actually have a guy you know who's really interested in distributing the ball instead of dribbling in until the air is out of the ball and shooting it up. So. Um, you know this. This could be a sign of uh, another change uh, in in the league. I, I certainly hope so. All right. The number that I like. You know what the Warriors have done in the third quarter, Bill? They have outscored their opponents in the third quarter alone in their fourteen games this year by one hundred twenty-four points. That means they come out of here of the locker room in the third quarter, and they're just putting on teams. Whether it's adjustments or I don't know what it is, but that is beautiful to watch a team coming out in the second half and just smoking it the way they're smoking it. Uh, 124 points they've outscored their opponents in their first 14 yeah. games. That's great look, stuff. Look, the Warriors, the Warriors are just playing hard. And look, if, if, if I know nothing, if I get if I get my team to bring greater effort. I'm, I'm going to win that basketball game. They're, you know, you got to give them credit. They're, they're giving great effort. They're moving the ball. They're sharing it. Guys are hustling. They're they're, they're playing for each other. Um, it's, it's it's good stuff. So if they if they can stay healthy 
and keep this peace going. Yeah, they should be fine. Yeah, enjoyable to watch. All right, my friend, we'll leave you with this. Uh, breaking news, the Staples Center is no more. You aware of this? Staples Center. No, in name only. It's, it's, it's not there anymore, even though it's been there for 20 years, been the Staples Center. They have now agreed to rename the arena the Crypto.com Arena Starting on Christmas Day, that's right, Crypto.com has paid $700 million over the next 20 years for naming rights. The Staples Center is no more. Pay that man wow. his money. <laughs> Can and you believe it? It fits just right. It fits it just right. Something in crypto. Yeah, right. Something weird. This, this, this is where we're going. This is where we're going. Yeah, we're going yeah, with cryptocurrency. Yeah. You know, pretty soon you're not going to be able to get those dollar bills out of your wallet anymore. You know, and uh, go buy your cigars. You know, you can't. You got to. You know, get. Re- you're not going to have a five and a ten and a twenty anymore. You're going to have to do it with some crypto coin something. You're going to have to you know buy it with your phone or your app or something like that. So I don't know what you're going to do. Load up in your cigars early, my friend. I got to load it up. There you go. All right, man. A little night train for the big seven-footer. All right. Tonight, we've got the Lakers and the Bucks. All right. Mm, we don't know what we're going to get out of that game. We've got college basketball uh, galore. Great tournaments here in Vegas. Uh, you, you should come on out here and uh, check this out. And, again, UNLV traveling to USF on December the 4th. We'll be talking to the big seven-footer about that uh, as well, too. So, at, at least you can you can love your college basketball right now, my friend. Yeah, we're gonna have to get you down here. Come on, I'm buying. You buy it? Woo! I like it. I, I just wish it was like a little short little drive instead of me having to do the whole plane thing and go through, you know, San Francisco International. I'm gonna have to have you pick me up at the airport and all that stuff too. I got you. That's easy. All right. Easy peasy. All right, there it is. All right, book it. We're, we're going. We're coming. Done. There it is. All right, my man. Be good. Enjoy the games. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Adios. There it is. Big Bill Carter will be joining me next Tuesday night in Sacktown as well, too. Our old Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame. I'm gathering some of the fellas together. Uh, we're doing a roundtable discussion. It's going to be a lot of fun. The big seven-footer will be joining me. He's making that short drive from San Francisco to, to Sacramento. All right. All right. When we come back, Trevor Match is going to join us. We talk some college football. Yes, the rankings are out. And are we going to yell, scream again, and say, what the heck is going on? Probably so. Now, more from your favorite sports radio physician. Wow, that's the best news I heard in a dog's age. The Dr. T.C. Martin. All right. Let's talk a little college football. Playoff rankings out last night. Another rendition. Mm. And who better to go to? Then our guy, who's out late at night, singing his song, strutting his stuff, to a little cool in the gang, the one and only Trevor Maddich. What is going oh, on, my man? Led. I love this song. Love this song. And boy, can I relate to this song. Holy smoke. Go ahead, man. Tell it to the people. Go ahead. I am not. I am not. I would just say that we all, everybody, everybody listening has a story that they can relate to a song called Misled. Oh, man, it's a great anthem for us. I love it. You, you want to go into a little more detail on that? No. Okay. <laughs> great song, man. Yeah. I mean, Cool and the Gang just, they churned out hit after hit after hit, man. And this was a good one. This is kind of one of those uh, under... Underplayed, underrated ones, but uh, great beat, uh, good vocals like you mentioned, but it, it gets you going, man. Get you bobbing your head and get you motivated, man. That's all I got to say, yeah. right? Well, they, they get you, too, because the, the verse is kind of syncopated, right? Yes. With the vocals and the instrumental and all that. Then it gets into the chorus, and everything links up, and it just pulls you along running as fast as you can go to keep up. It's just so well written. Very nice. And I believe that is on the Trevor Madge uh, playlist while he's uh, cruising from state to state in your little tiny car, right? Absolutely. I just have to be careful not to get it up over 100 miles an hour when the chorus hits because, man, it, it rolls. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There it is. There it is. Pump it up, Nubchuck. Let's go. 
I love it. My heart, my soul. I could do this all day, Trevor. All right, yeah, bro. You know, and about, about half of Meatloaf's catalog is also on that playlist when I'm driving down the freeway. Ooh, very so if you nice. don't know who Meatloaf is because he's before your time, I understand it's not your fault, but let me tell you, you are missing rock opera <laughs> no i can i can relate to a little meatloaf uh, i never cared for the dish myself okay but the music uh, much more so than having it on a plate i'll just say that how, how about this for truth okay i want you i need you <laughs> but there ain't no way i'm ever gonna love you <laughs> so don't feel bad because two out of three ain't bad how's that for hitting in the face this is all you're ever gonna get Wow. That is some wow. strong stuff. That's it. Oh, it that's when people wrote lyrics. See, that's where you should be coaching, my friend. Because do you imagine the locker room speeches that you could give and then you tie in some music? You tie in some of these vocals or melodies or just you know these, these great songs and then tie in your message before your team hits the field? That's what you got to do, Trevor. <laughs> And he brought it right up. You know what? That would be awesome in theory, and it would be the quickest way to lose a team possible. <laughs> That's true. If you, if you start to, to pack your pregame speech with, you know, there are people that do that on the radio. You're doing it now. Right. But there are people that, like, have a certain mood they want, and they'll use music to do it. But, man, you can't do that as a coach. But the thing is, guys will listen to their, their playlist before games to get them the mood they want to be in. And it's different for everybody. And so it's uh, music creates emotion like very little I've ever seen. And this song right here still breaks my heart. Man. <laughs> there it is. See, sports and music. There it is, man. That's that's my life. That's my world. There it is. And by the way, is there a greater album name than Bad Out of Hell? Oh, yes. Yeah. Bad Out of Hell. You're right. That is a kinetic album name. That that is violent. That album name. That's awesome. There it is. See, we could do as you as you know as we've done before. I mean, we could do an entire music segment or music show. And I guess uh, you know I've been hit, Trevor, by popular demand with a lot of my media brethren when I'm going to these games. They're saying, "Hey." When you having another music show? Because I went in on this, so I'm I'm being pressed again to do another music show. Well, go with favorite sports songs as part of the music show. I mean, Kenny Chesney, The Boys of Fall, mm -hmm. that still gives me a, a makes me missed up a little bit because some of the things he talks about in that song are some of the things that emotionally connect teammates after they've suffered together, and it, it, it's wonderful. See, let's review our scorecard here today, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we went from Cool in the Gang to Meatloaf, Bat Out of Hell to Kenny Chesney, uh, pulling on Trevor's heartstrings there. There it is. I mean, it's it, it's yeah. all said there for you, my friend. Outstanding. I'm not going to be able to do halftime tonight. I, I've got halftime at two college football games tonight, and I'm going to be I'm going to be like in tears the whole time because uh, of this song. There it is. The, the master of the Mac. Who knows that the big Trevor Maddox, the big offensive lineman, got down dirty in the trenches was such a soft, emotional guy. Well, you've got to understand the role of timing. There are times when I'm a soft, emotional guy. Yep. Yep. There's other times when, when I will hit a football player in the mouth on the field during a play, <laughs> have his teeth rattle to the ground, and while he's bending over to pick them up, I will be snickering at him and looking up at his girlfriend saying, yeah, you picked the wrong guy. Are you crazy? So it, it all depends on the timing of it. This is true. There it is. Trevor Maddich, he just he's 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 a. Did I really say that? Yeah. Holy, that's terrible. I'm awful. Yeah, <laughs> I, I feel terrible. There are there are, there are many psychologists listening to the show right now saying, "I need to get this guy in my chair in my office." <laughs> yeah, right. Well, yeah, tell the psychologist I'm easy, but I'm not cheap. They'll be paying me. There it is. All right, my friend. Let's talk about these college football uh, rankings. Here we go. Uh, Georgia number one, Alabama number two. Oregon number three, Ohio State number four, and here we go on the outside, still looking in, the Cincinnati Bearcats followed by the Michigan Wolverines, Sparty of Michigan State, Oklahoma, Notre Dame, and Oklahoma State. All right, Trevor, so here we go. The eye test, which we love talking about, which I love talking about. Does Oregon belong at number three? We know why they're number three, because they beat Ohio State, but... As we get further into the season, we're 10 games into it now. 
Do the Ducks really belong at number three? Yes, because who else? The only other team that really should be there over them might be Ohio State, because Ohio State right now is much the better team than Oregon, I believe. They're more complete than Oregon, I believe. But here's the issue. They have the same record. Oregon beat them head-to-head, which the committee doesn't care about at all right now. (laughs) Exactly. All the committee cares about is that that Week 2 win by the Ducks in Columbus over the Buckeyes is an anonymous, generic win over a team that currently is ranked number 4 in the nation, which is the best win of any of the teams that would be behind them in position to be put ahead of them. A&M beat Ohio State, but then everybody else beat A&M, right? So A&M's not there. So that really is the best win of all the people that are in position uh, to be in the top four, top six, that kind of a thing. So, yeah, Oregon deserves to be number three in part because they're faster than the bear. <laughs> so, you, know, you don't have to be faster than me. You have to be faster than the bear. You know, We've told that joke, so people probably right. get it by now. All right. All right. So then again, you know, you've been one that's you know, hampering for Cincinnati here. And, uh, again, they haven't won a lot of games convincingly. They haven't played the top-tier opponent, but they're still number five. So when we look at Cincinnati still on the outside looking in, what is it going to take to get them in the top four? They need two or three things. And by the way, they do have a very good win over Notre Dame, who's number eight right now. That's it. So that that gives them, yeah, but their overall strength of schedule is well below Notre Dame. It's about 100. So so they, they, they still need to be more convincing. But Cincinnati doesn't really need style points because they can't win by enough in order to force their way in, they need help. They need two of these three things to happen. Number one, the SEC only puts one team in. That happens if Georgia wins convincingly in the SEC championship game. Do you think that's plausible? Sure, it's plausible, definitely. Number two, Cincinnati can get into the top four if Oregon loses. They're at Utah this week. Mm -hmm. FPI, ESPN's football power index, gives Oregon only a 37% chance to win at Utah. And then they'll probably have to play them again in the championship game. In between that, they have to play a resurgent uh, Oregon State in the rivalry game. Do you think it's plausible that Oregon could lose a game? Yes, and I, I, I am thinking that they actually lose on Saturday. Okay. And then um, the other thing is the Big 12 needs to have a champion with two losses. You know, it doesn't have to be two losses, but more secure if they do. But Oklahoma just picked up their first loss. Mm-hmm. And basically, if they split with... Oregon State, or excuse me, Oklahoma State, where where Oklahoma wins the first one, and you know, et cetera, and then they the champion of the Big Twelve ends up with two losses. Do you think that's possible now? It is possible, and even if Oklahoma wins out, I think the committee is still going to look at Oklahoma for having these these narrow wins and not being you know just looking that good passing the eye test because they def- definitely didn't look good at Baylor, even in the loss. I mean, you could look good in a loss, Trevor, as, as we know. And I don't think Notre Dame actually looked that bad in the loss against Cincinnati many weeks ago. But, you know, I've got questions, and again, it's kind of a, a different subject here, but since we're talking about Oklahoma and what's plausible here in the Big 12, I mean, I'm not sure that, that, that uh, they have the right guy at quarterback right now, that they may have to go back to Spencer Rattler. So I think there's a lot of these questions, and there's the kind of the history thing maybe in the back of these committee members' minds too, that, you know, we've seen Oklahoma here before, and we've seen once we put them in the playoff, then they usually get destroyed. I think that kind of factors into it, as well as the overall kind of breaking up of the Big 12 or the overratedness of the Big 12. Yep. If, if two of those three things happen, then I think Cincinnati, as long as they went out, will be in the top five. If all three or four, right. if all three of them happen, I think Notre Dame joins Cincinnati in the top four. I would like and to see as that. As an aside, yes. you mentioned Oklahoma not looking good. Kansas almost beat Oklahoma. <laughs> Kansas did beat Texas. And you think the SEC is, wants to have a buyer's remorse uh, rescinding <laughs> of their acceptance right? of... Yeah, it's like they should they should take Kansas is what they really should do. <laughs> he is Trevor Maddich, and we're talking about the college football playoff rankings. All right, Trevor, let's talk about a couple games here for this weekend. Ohio State, Michigan State. Obviously, we have playoff implications here. To the naked eye, minus 19 uh, is the line here for Ohio State. That seems a little ridiculous, don't you think, when you've got number four playing number seven? Well, first of all, the second half of the season, I have been uncanny 
at being incredibly consistent mm. at picking wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so take this with a grain of salt. I mean, my consistency at picking wrong has been astonishing, even though making the picks, I was incredibly confident. So you're talking about this 19-point this spread. The, the way the matchup is is that it's a bad matchup for Michigan State. They have literally the worst pass defense in all of college football statistically. Ohio State has the best overall offense statistically in all of college football with the best group of wide receivers and a Heisman candidate at quarterback. So you would think that Ohio State would just rip off a whole bunch of big plays and score a ton of points. Then the question would be, can Michigan State keep up? And Ohio State's defense has been pretty good since September. September was awful. Then it's gotten to be pretty good, right? So the question is, can Michigan State do enough? They've got Kenneth Walker the third as a running back, Heisman candidate, he's good enough. You've got uh, one of the better downfield passing attacks in the Big Ten, Michigan State. So that's the question. And so I, right now looking at it, it looks like 19 is a lot of points, which guarantees that the Buckeyes will win by 50. <laughs> it depends. If Trevor Maddich is picking the Buckeyes minus 19, then you know they're not going to cover. Yeah, well, I picked the Bills. I picked the Bills to cover like 12 points against Jacksonville. Jacksonville, one of the worst defenses yeah. in the NFL. The Bills, one of the best offenses. And that day, Jacksonville looked like the 85 Bears. <laughs> yeah. Just that day. I know. But that day, they did. So, again, pick against me, and you're going to win a lot of money. All right, my friend. Oregon and Utah. We, we, we prefaced this game. Now let's pick this game. What do you think happens? I think I think Oregon does win this game, but if, but if they didn't, it wouldn't surprise me. I'm very ambivalent about this because Utah has been playing lights out with Cam Rising at quarterback. He came in midseason, and they've really found their stride with Rising. Oregon defensively has been playing pretty well. Running game has been fantastic. Downfield passing game has been really erratic. Anthony Brown, at quarterback for the Ducks, has been outstanding keying the running game and running a lot himself and at the short and medium throws. Here's the thing. From a matchup standpoint, Utah doesn't worry about physical teams in the trenches because they're physical too. So that's more than a fair fight in the trenches. And they're going to try to make Anthony Brown throw the ball down the field. Utah also makes a point to recruit long, fast, defensive backs, the kind of guys that have those long arms that can reach in and disrupt that one or two passes a game that could have made the difference for the offense. So I'm ambivalent about who wins. I'm not even ready to pick straight up what I think might happen. But I will say that that Oregon probably should win, but it's not a good matchup for them. Right. Okay, and then Alabama is a 20-point favorite over Arkansas. We know Arkansas is capable. We... We saw them, you know, drill Texas earlier, but I guess that win really doesn't mean too much now. But Arkansas does have a, a, a pretty good offense, even though they've got to go to Tuscaloosa. You think the Hogs can keep this thing close? Uh, I, it depends on which Alabama shows up. Yeah. I mean, Alabama, when their defense is playing well, they're, they're one of the very best in the country. When their offense is playing well, they're very explosive. Keep this in mind, though, about Alabama as you think about this game. Alabama is... Um, a team that, that is really a passing team on offense right now. When Lane Kiffin got there and they really started to, to add explosive passing to the run, the run was still a dominant rushing attack for the most part. There were a couple of years where it wasn't. This is one of those years where it's not. This surprised me when I looked it up a couple of days ago. Alabama's running game is 10th in the SEC. 10th in the SEC in both rushing yards per game and rushing yards per carry. And so, unfortunately, freshman quarterback Bryce Young has been carrying this team. But really it depends. Can they, can they be more balanced against Arkansas than they were, for example, against LSU when they got six yards rushing, but Young threw for over 300 yards, and the defense did enough to allow them to win that game by six points against LSU. So it depends on which shows up. Now, I would tend to think, that Alabama, if they don't hit their stride now, they're probably not going to hit it. They've got two more games until the SEC championship game. I think they will get there because they'd have to lose both of them to not get there. Auburn is the big, the big rivalry game, but I would tend to think they would not overlook Arkansas on the way. So I'm inclined to think that Alabama is going to play their best, which means they should cover, which means 
Go the opposite. Take Arkansas on the points. <laughs> there you go. And this is not a best bet segment. We're just you know, breaking down the games, and actually we're looking at some of the marquee games this week. And I'll leave you with this, Trevor. How weird is this as we look at this week's lineup with all these games, and I'm looking down and I see USC playing UCLA and Cal and Stanford. The big game is happening we're not at the end of the season. I mean, what what's wrong? These games are supposed to be at the end of the season, these rivalry games, and we're we're thrown in here in the middle of November. I don't like it. I know, it's weird. It, it's it's really bizarre. I mean, the egg ball is always uh Mississippi and Mississippi State, Old Miss and Mississippi State, that's mm-hmm. always on Thanksgiving. So that's before the end of the season. So that's okay. But but when you talk about these games, like Oklahoma, Michigan, excuse me, Ohio State, Michigan is the end of the regular season. Right. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, end of the regular season. This is kind of crazy when you've got games as massive as USC and UCLA, and they are not. I'm, I'm just going to look up real quick. I've got, I've got my little, my little uh, computer thing up here. I'm just going to look at USC, and I'm going to see who they have, for goodness sake, after UCLA. Why does this even make sense? Oh, they got BYU. That's why. Oh, yeah, and that's a bigger game for USC. So, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Oh, he's too funny. The the former Cougar himself right there. Yeah, and don't forget USC after BYU. Then they they play Cal. Well, I guess that's kind of the makeup game because of the uh, the COVID situation, which I thought we weren't going to have any postponements. But lo and behold, we had one this year, uh, and that's that's yeah. that one. So who knows? All right. Yeah, it's uh, December 4th, too. That's really weird. It is. It is. All right. That's super weird. Trevor Manick, he is on the call tonight. Where he's actually in the studio. the The Mac games tonight. The Mac doubleheader. I said, don't miss your Wednesday night on ESPN. The family of networks with the with the mighty Mac. You love the Mac, don't you? I love the Mac. As a matter of fact, last year I was fifteen and six picking Mac games against the spread on Sports Center. Oh, I miss the old days. Oh, you do, don't you? All right, my friend. Well, all right, go do some homework and uh, you know talk to some of your ESPN buddies over there. Okay, except you know you know not the bear. Okay, don't don't ask him. And uh, he's having a bad. Yeah, that's my only thing. He's doing worse than me. Exactly. And uh, <laughs> we will reconvene for your best bets here. And uh, I, I tried giving you some advice, Trevor. Just stay off those nineteen, twenty, twenty-five point favorites. Either you know take the dogs or go ahead and and, and take some small favorites or something like that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. But I mean, it makes perfect sense that the favorites are a favorite for a reason. If if they're on a roll and have more reason. To have to look good than the teams that are playing out the string, yeah. you know. I, I have confidence in that, but not anymore. Not anymore. You know. What I, I mean, my faith in, in life has been dashed. <laughs> Our bookmakers here in Vegas—they just tend to overinflate some of these lines. That's what they do. No, they so, don't. Yeah. They want fifty percent of the bet on each side of them. They do overinflate the lines. They're trying to get 50 I should be able to throw a dart at a board <laughs> and, and go basically 50-50 on this thing, shouldn't I, and just lose the vent? You should, it, except your aim your, your your aim is a little bit off on that dart board. And you just, it, it keeps, like, swerving over. It's like a screwball or something. You're getting, you know, just off the inside part of the plate, and you're veering off to these 20, 25, 30-point favorites. That's the problem. TC, I could throw a dart <laughs> at a dart board and hit myself in the back. <laughs> I love it. All right, there it is. So, no better song to go out on. And as we play the request here, Trevor Manage can just have his tears in his beer here with little Kenny Chesney. There it is. Go ahead, Trevor. You know, like they did in the oh. Blues Brothers. Like they did at Bob's Country Bunker, just wiping the tears away while the Blues Brothers are, are singing Stand By Your Man. There you go. That's what this thing, if people have not heard this song by Kenny Chesney, The Boys of Fall, if you ever played football, you read the lyrics or listen to this song and tell me it doesn't mean a ton to you. This is a great song. It is great. I just, I'm just really sad that before Trevor goes on television that he, he has to regroup now and get rid of the tears. I'm sorry that we did this to you, my friend. It's all Nunchuck's fault. Yeah, I, I don't know. People will think that I'm... Uh, I'm, you know, sensitive, and really what I want to do is get them on a football field and knock their teeth to the ground. <laughs> there, it is. Them. there it is. There it is. All right. Nunchuck, 
uh, can we can we real quickly just go back to misled so we can leave Trevor out so he's like he's pumping his fist and he's getting ready to to, to go down the tunnel here and get ready to do his broadcast there so when he can like take his tie and, and just knot it up right there there you go Trevor there you go go do your thing man all right we love you brother and we'll talk to you on uh, Friday thanks for having me on TC it's always great fun you got it buddy take care there he is Trevor Maddich ESPN the 15 time Emmy Award winner for his knowledge of football but just also see the passion that comes out passion on the field the passion in the studio it's all there for you alright cool in the gang a little misled cool in the gang coming to town coming to the Westgate there you go how about that nice little free plug those are my guys Robert Kubel and company yeah now, I knew Trevor liked this song because when we were getting submissions for our our music show last time, Trevor was jockeying back and forth and initially goes, oh, i got to go cool in the gang and misled. Then he goes, oh, wait a minute. How about fantasy? Earth, wind, and fire. i got to do that. Yeah. So there you go. But there you go. There it is. What do you say? What do you say, Nubchuck? You're talking to me. Round two? Yeah, it's about time for round two, right? You just saying? I don't have a date. I, I, I can't give a date yet. But yes, uh, yes, the the T.C. Martin Show Song Fest will be having round two. There you go. It's coming very soon. And uh, so we'll be sending out submissions again, not only to our, our guests, but uh, our listeners as well. And like I said, our media brethren as well, too. There you go. And you can you can bring some of your... Female wrestling friends in the studio, Nunchuck, as well, too. There you go. You want to bring inspiration in, don't you? <laughs> what is that? All right. All right. When we come back, we have got Steve Berline. He's going to join us. That's right. Steve, of course, the former quarterback, and does a fantastic job on his show, the Monday afternoon quarterback on CBS Sports Network that airs each and every Monday afternoon. And, of course, I'm sure we'll have some good food talk. With Steve Berline as well, too. But, yes, we start talking NFL and start looking at the weekend ahead. All right, that, and we'll start talking boxing, of course, as you know. We've got all your coverage for Showtime Sean Porter and Terrence Crawford coming up Saturday night at the Michelob Ultra Arena as well. Hour number two on the way. T.C. Martin Show on this wild, woolly Wednesday.